How do we start this one? Uh, ho, ho, ho. Happy holidays. I Sure, I, I guess. Yeah, why not? Um, I'm Josh, one of your co-pilots, and that's Justice, another one hello. of your co-pilots. And this is the annual co-pilots review holiday Christmas Kwanzaa spectacular. Also a bunch of other holidays. Hanukkah, Yule. Festivus. Sure, why not? Bacchanal. Bacchanal, Saturnalia. <laughs> Yeah, more. Welcome, more. welcome to the Winter Holiday Special. That's what it is. Yep. Co-Pilots Winter Holiday Special. Yeah. Where we, the co-pilots, yeah. do a thing where we, no- we normally don't do. And that is review a thing that has no episodes. Yeah. Zero episodes. That would be correct. So let's get on to it. This year, we're reviewing episode zero of Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah, we're reviewing it because someone out of the two of us has never seen it. I cannot believe you've never seen a Muppets movie in full in your entire life. <laughs> oh yeah, me. Yeah, definitely never. I I can't I can't name you a single Muppet. Actually, I have no idea what any of them are. I thought it was just a term Gordon Ramsay made up to yell at people. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. No, I. If I'm being honest, I don't think I've seen any full length Muppet movie since like 2002. Uh probably roughly around there. Yeah. And, right and, e- and even though this came out 10 years before that in 1992, still haven't seen it. Honestly, I don't like the Muppets. I d- they're not funny. And honestly, they're kind of cringe and kind of annoying. I think there's a few Muppets that are funny, like Waldorf and Statler and Waldorf. And Gonzo can be funny on a few occasions. And then Fozzie Bear is uh, on even more rare occasions funny. But I don't like Kermit and Miss Piggy and like that. Not a huge fan. After this movie, I can tell you I like Beaker. Yeah, Beaker's great. Beaker and his companion, whose name I can never remember. Uh, Beaker and Gonzo. Those those are the two that I like most out of this movie. Fair. And Michael Caine. He's a Muppet, right? No. I love Michael Caine. Best Muppet. Michael Caine is great. I don't believe he's a Muppet, though, no. Well, this is a Muppet Christmas Carol, thus implying that they're Muppets. No, it implies a Christmas Carol involving Muppets at the very least, but I believe the better looked at and accepted version would be the fact that it is a Christmas Carol told by Muppets, given the fact that Gonzo plays our narrator, Charles Dickens. So it's a Muppets Christmas Carol. It is Gonzo as Charles Dickens Christmas Carol. I've also been told I need to watch Muppets Treasure Island. It is actually fun. Because it features Tim Curry as Long John Silver. It does, it does indeed. And apparently he hams the fuck out of it. I mean, it's Tim Curry. What do you expect? A, a reserved and quiet performance that has no musical singing at all and a very serious and stern character. I don't think you know who Tim Curry is. Yeah, he's that one dude. From that one thing? That did that one thing, yeah. At that one time? Yep. In that one place? No, I, I know who Tim Curry is. Yeah. He's in one of my top three favorite musicals of all time. Mm, same. Though I do think Clue could use a few more musical numbers. If Tim Curry's Clue was a musical... He'd be fucking amazing. Mm. God. God. It is my favorite <clears throat> Tim Curry like piece. Fair. I, I just really like Rocky Horror Picture. I know. It's also great, but I, I love Clue. Clue's just a fun time. Anyways, though, yes, Muppets Christmas Carol. We should, we should get to that. And it starts with a panning shot over a snowy Dickensian London. Justice told me that this was a miniature, like it was a set. Like for like what you'd use for D and D, like a miniature London, and honestly, you can't tell the difference. Both look like they're falling apart. Fair. So we get the scroll of cast, mm-hmm. which is mostly Muppet names playing characters. Yeah, and um, after we come down from like the view of the skyline, I guess it's a it's an above shot of the like it feels weird to call it a skyline, but it's technically the skyline, right? Just not a very large one. Yeah. We come down to the streets and we're just kind of going throughout London 
and we just see a mix of Muppets and people kind of establishing what the world is. Though, thing I forgot, Mm -hmm. some of the vegetables are alive. Yes. Because a man steals a pineapple. A pumpkin. A pumpkin. I don't know why I said pineapple. A man steals a pumpkin out of the back of a carriage, and the entire time the pumpkin's just yelling about being stolen. None of these people are rich enough to own a pineapple. Scrooge is rich enough to own a pineapple. Scrooge would never spend money on something as frivolous as a pineapple. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying he is rich enough to own one. I'm rich enough to own a pineapple. So am I. Next time we have people over, we should buy a pineapple first. I might buy a banana. Or rent a pineapple. Do you think Walmart lets us rent pineapples? I have no idea. I'm going to try, though. (laughs) But... So yeah, we kind of just establish what what is common for this world, which is felt characters controlled by people we cannot see. Intermingling with real people. I was going to say intermingling with meat characters controlled by people we cannot see. I mean, all meat characters are controlled by people we cannot see. Exactly. Even more so on a film. And then we start with the first song. Is it the first song already? Is there a song? No, no, no. We do actually meet Gonzo yeah. as Charles Dickens and Rizzo the Rapper. Because Gonzo right? introduces himself as Charles Dickens. And Rizzo's just like, no, you're not. And then we have one of the, like, I am a fan of dry witticism. And this Muppet movie is probably one of the least humorous Muppet movies overall. Like, it tries. It doesn't go Muppet crazy comedy stuff, like flailing about. I would say it has more dry witticism than most other Muppet movies. So yeah, we get, I, I think that's probably because it's set in Britain. Yeah, and it's also set in a Dickensian story. So like anything besides dry witticism, for the most part, doesn't really fit with the style. You know what I mean? Well, also it's Britain. Yep. And like dry humor is their specialty. Mm-hmm. So when Rizzo calls Gonzo out on not being Charles Dickens, he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I know the story of A Christmas Carol as well as I know the back of my own hand. So when Rizzo tells him to tell it, he Rizzo, looks away. Yeah, Rizzo says... Tell it then. Yeah. So Gonzo looks away, holds his hand up to Rizzo, and just starts listing off characteristics about the back of his hand. A mildly amusing idea. And far more accurate than I'd ever be able to tell you. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking during that scene that like I It's could, such a bad saying. I could show you the back of one of my hands and like I know I have some distinguishing marks on the back of one of my hands. I don't remember which hand that that is, like, yeah, just fair. off the top of my head. So I could show you, like, my left hand and be like, so, like, under my middle knuckle, there's, a, there's like, a crescent scar. Yeah. And then, like, I, just, I could go into these details, but, like, no, the, the scar's on my right hand. Yeah. You know, the most I could do and accurately is be like, you know, the first index on my, the first, what are the segments of a finger car called? The first finger bone section of my index finger has a weird bump on the side where you can see that there's a faint scar from where it had to be super glued back together after being cut to the bone. Oh, shit. When did that happen? Uh, back in high school. And you didn't go to the doctors? No. Jesus Christ, dude. Can you feel anything in that finger? Yeah, it was just the side of the finger. Wild, okay. Yeah. Uh, Let's not get into child abuse because, uh... That could be a deep topic, especially around Christmas. But it fits the Dickensian story! <laughs> yeah, so uh, Gonzo then proceeds to start the Christmas story. He starts yes. it off with the opening line, the Marleys were dead, long dead. And Rizzo's like, oh, you're good at this. And- yep. And he's like, also, this is kind of a creepy way to start. And then we get our first song, which is performed by everyone in the streets, as we see a man who we've been told is Ebenezer Scrooge, but we don't see who's playing him yet, walk out of a house and then slowly begin his walk to work as the entire time people are singing about what a shitty person he is. An absolute shitty person. This song is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. 
there were there was only a couple songs in this movie that I was like, oh, the, this is a good song. Yeah. My two favorites are this song and then the Marley and Marley song later. I also I marked Marley and Marley. I, I thought Marley and Marley was good. I like the Scrooge and Show song more. Yes, the Scrooge and Show song is probably overall better. I like the musical construction of Marley and Marley more. Not as much of a fan of the lyricism in it. There's only two songs I took positive notes about. Yeah. Though, also from my understanding, the Ebenezer and Bell song is also actually pretty good. And I feel like I have a faint memory of having seen it before, because I think we did have this on tape at some point, which did have the song in there. But I honestly don't really remember it, so I don't know if that's just a thing I'm aware of, unless my brain's being like, hey, you also know this song, and it was fairly good, but it's been removed from most broadcasts. I remember watching one Muppet movie. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but it was a fever dream it was a Muppet Babies movie that we had on VHS, because I used to watch it a lot as a child. And some of the sets are just like colored blocks in the background. Uh-huh. It was like, a Muppet Babies movie. There's a there's a train that they go through that comes out like a multicolored block wall. Yeah, I'm like, pretty sure it was a Muppet Babies movie. Also, Baby Gonzo is a nightmare show. That movie was terrible. And I think it, it may have acted as a poison, an, an anesthesia against the enjoyment of Muppets. Fair. If so, that would be my fault. I remember I watched it a few, quite a few times as a young, young child. Though I don't ever remember asking to watch it. I feel like it was probably just something to put on to keep me distracted. Anyways, Scrooge gets to his job, turns around to face the crowd, and shoes them off. Yep. And we get we get the reveal on who Scrooge is, and it's legendary British actor Michael Caine. God, I fucking love Michael Caine. You know, I'm realizing this is probably the youngest I've ever seen Michael Caine in a movie. It is not mine. I have seen his movies before this, which were more action-heavy. Yeah, I'm just now realizing that, like, I'm more familiar with Michael Caine's career post, like, 2000. Fair. I mean, he's done good films since then. He's also done some less-than-good films, but where he's been a standout role because it's Michael Caine. Mm -hmm. And Rizzo, who is a rat Muppet. Mm -hmm. Rizzo the Rat, that is his name. Who is playing himself. Yes. And Charles Dickens. Yes. Uh... Followed Scrooge through the crowd. Mm-hmm. They get shut out of his workplace. So they go over to a window. But they can't see because it's so cold the windows are frosted over. Yeah. And it's also just dirty because it's fucking London. Oh, yeah. This city is dirty. That was a joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. So uh, Charles Dickens picks up Rizzo and wipes a window pane off of them. Yes. And I heard you. I yes, chuckled. And I, heard I, audi- you I audibly chuckled. Snort a bit at it. Yeah. Probably because Rizzo's follow-up line is just so good. He's like, I'm so happy to be involved. Thank yeah. you. Thank, Thank you, you for so involving me yeah. in this. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we continue on with the A Christmas Carol story. Yes. As we see Scrooge head off into his office to start filling out paperwork. We're also introduced to iconic Christmas Carol character, Bob Cratchit. As played by Kermit the Frog. Who, Kermit seems like a fine character until he starts singing. Why are people obsessed with Kermit singing? Why can't like... I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly where this takes place at in this... It's a, But it's sung by all the office workers and Kermit. It's called One More Night Till Christmas. One More Sleep Till Christmas. This is at the end of the it's scene. It's at the very end yeah, of the yeah. scene, yeah. So Kermit comes up to Scrooge. He's like, hey, so... Some of the bookkeepers were wondering if we could, you know, put an extra shovel of coal on the fire because it's kind of cold. And Scrooge is like, oh, I mean, but wouldn't it be colder if you were... In the unemployment line. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all just like... It was the frog's idea. It was the frog's idea. And they all, like, change outfits. They're all in, like, hula skirts and stuff. And they're like, this is the warmest I've ever been. It's so nice. It's so hot and warm. It's island summer heat or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Say. yeah. Um, and Kermit's like, oh, look, boss, you did it. Mm-hmm. And then Scrooge is like, we should go over the um, foreclosures for tomorrow. 
And then Kermit's like, boss, tomorrow's Christmas. Yeah. And Scrooge is just like, yeah, it's a good day for business. In fact, December is kind of like harvest season for- Bookkeepers. Moneylenders. Moneylenders. Yeah. It's when all the debts come due- because people, people waste their money on these festive frivolities, frivolities and gifts, yeah, and let their let themselves fall behind on rent. Mm-hmm. So Kermit, Bob, and his other bookkeepers go back to doing their paperwork, and in comes Michael Kane. Sorry, Scrooge's nephew, Fred. And Fred comes in essentially just to wish a Merry Christmas and invite to, Scrooge to dinner. To which, of course, he gets a bah humbug. Bah humbug. No, it's not delivered that poorly because it's Michael Caine doing it. And I don't think he says bah at that point. He just says humbug. Yeah, I don't recall a single Michael Caine bah humbug. Just humbugs. Scrooge's lines in this are actually very accurate to the book. Yeah, uh, honestly, a lot of lines are actually fairly accurate. We have a few like permeations and changes to accommodate the Muppets, but like this entire scene between Fred and Ebenezer is like almost one for one to the book. Mm-hmm. So they have a short story. It's a short story, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a short story. They have a brief argument about like the Christmas season and, and like the Christmas spirit. Ebenezer's like, "What do you have to be merry about? You're poor enough as it is." And Fred goes, "Well, Christmas has always brought me happiness, and it will, it will continue to bring me happiness." And it's always you, done good for me, and it will continue to do good for me. And if you me. would let it do good for you, it would do good for you as well. And then two solicitors come by. Yep. They're looking for donations to a charity to help poor and, and houseless people. Yep. And Scrooge is like, Scrooge gets his like literal evilest lines in the in this scene. Yeah. Though I do like the introduction to them when they come in. So they come in, they're asking for charity. And Fred just welcomes them, wishes them a Merry Christmas. And like, of course, come in, gentlemen. My uncle loves Christmas. He's more than willing to donate, like trying to pressure Scrooge into it. Yeah, and, and like it kind of looks like Scrooge is being pressured. Like Michael King gives yeah. a he looks affronted and like he feels the societal pressure there, and then does not give a shit when it comes to the actual interaction. No, I love but, it. but Fred makes a small donation because Fred's poor; he doesn't have the money of yep. his uncle. There's also a scene where. Oh, I can't remember the exact dialogue, but it's something like, "Are there not workhouse? Are there not poor houses and prisons?" I'm like, well, yes. And then, so we have that line set up, mm-hmm. and they ask for his donation again, and he's just like, he says something along the lines of like, "Well, I pay my taxes for the prisons and poor houses. There's more than enough places for them to go." And they're like, "Well, some would rather die than go there." And he's like, "Well, then they ought to do it. They should die and reduce the population. Then they ought to do it quick." Die and reduce the, the overpopulation. Which, overpopulation in the 1800s, like, the fuck are you talking about, Scrooge? The fuck are you talking about, Dickens? Yeah. Like, I assume this isn't Dickens' actual viewpoint on population, because this character is a parody of actual, like, insane- Blue, blood, fucking money, grabbing money lenders. Like, there's three people, like, that Scrooge is based off of, based on what yeah. we can tell from historical documents and Dickens' writing. They were the Bezoses and Zuckerbergs of their era. Yeah. Even Bezos and Zuckerberg aren't, like, wanting depopulation. They're like, you need to have more kids so I can have more workers. Go have more kids. Yeah. Which is why they pay money to lobbying groups to mm-hmm. ban, like, Plan abortion. B and abortion. Yeah. And- Though this, because he soon kicks out the charity collectors mm-hmm. who are... Solicitors. Yeah, solicitors who are played by... Beaker and Dr. Bunsen. Mm, uh, I'm glad you have their names. I would never know. I honestly forgot it was Beaker. Yeah. So he kind of shoes them out, but he reminded me of the very first thing we actually get in the store, which we don't jump right into, hey, here's these books. Mm. He walks in and there's a man and he asks Bob Cratcher who he is. And he's just like, oh, this is Mr. Applegate. 
he's here about his mortgage and the entire time the muppet that is mr apple is just like please don't yell at me please don't yell at me please don't yell at me I- i'm sorry sir but like, like my-, my daughter has lung problems and you know the house is expensive i'm working as hard as i can but doctors and medical bills and, and doctors take their share you know the entire time scrooge doesn't say anything and then just picks the man up and throws him outside and slams the door and from outside you hear thank you for not yelling at me Good scene. Yeah, I forgot about it until I remember he kicks these guys out. So he kicks the solicitors out, and then his nephew hangs a wreath mm-hmm. and says something about, well, here's some Christmas spirit or something, something yeah. like that. Well, he does that while the solicitors are still there because he kicks the solicitors out after Fred leaves. Ah. Yeah. It's a weird like shift because they stay there and they're just staring at him and then they ask him about the donation. He's just like, that's when he gives the line about how the poor should just die if they don't want to go to the poor houses. That is correct. Yeah. My apologies. It's all good. Then after the solicitors are kicked out, a caroler stops by. Yep. And when Scrooge opens the door, this caroler stops singing. And Scrooge goes, what do you want? And he goes, penny for the song? A penny for the song, governor. Scrooge slams the door. And the caroler slowly starts sulking away. And then Scrooge opens the door back up and the caroler perks up, smiles a bit, turns around, and then Scrooge throws the wreath at them. Yeah, but after he's crumpled it up. Yeah. Then the day is winding down. Mm -hmm. So Cratchit comes up to Scrooge. He's like, hey, so it's getting around closing time. Me and the guys are going to start cleaning up. And Scrooge is like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow morning. And then all the rats behind him are like, ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him. First, he's like, I'll see you tomorrow, 8.30. No, he says 8. Yeah, he says 8 a.m., normal time. I'll see you in the morning. Kermit's, the people that work with Kermit, the bookkeepers, because he seems to be the senior bookkeeper, Mm -hmm. are just like, ask him. And then Kermit's just like, um, sir, it's customary... Well, sir, tomorrow's Christmas, and and Scrooge goes, okay, 8.30, and then... then I think he says it's customary to have time off for Christmas, and then Scrooge says, okay, then 8.30. Well, he doesn't bring up the customary part till the next part, because he goes, sir, it's customary to have a little more time off than that on Christmas, and Scrooge goes, how much time is customary? And Scrooge goes... And Scrooge goes, all day. The entire day. But eventually, Cratchit convinces him because he's like, well, nobody's going to come in anyways. They're all going to be celebrating. Like, you're not going to have any business. You're going to be wasting money on coal if we if we work. Well, he says the coal thing first. Cause, and I mentioned this because I enjoy the line that he gives. He's like, that's extra coal you'd have to be burning. To which Scrooge replies, that's a poor reason to rob a man every 25th of December. Mm. Which I just like the line. And then he points out, well, everyone else is closed. So you won't even have anyone to do business with. So Scrooge complies and he's like... <sighs> It's a, he basically says it's a bad fucking idea, but since everyone else is fucking doing it and he has no one to do business with, then despite him being the only sane one, there's no point in him being open. Yep. But he does say, you'll have to come in to work early the next day though. Yes. And then Scrooge leaves and we get the next song, which is One More Sleep Till Christmas. And this song is terrible. This song is actively bad. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Like this song, being this early in the movie, this song shouldn't have been allowed. Just because this early in the movie, I could still be like, Eh, I can stand eh, to turn this off. Eh, yeah. Click. Also, it prolongs the, our getting to the ghosts, which is always the best part of a Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol is a movie that most people who are over the age of ten know fairly well at this point in their life. Yeah, it's like the Uncle Ben thing. Yeah, so like, don't show me that he's a piece of shit. Just show me the ghosts. We know Scrooge sucks. We don't need you to espouse that on how much he sucks. So get to the ghosts. Yeah. This song all takes place while they are cleaning up and closing the shop and then heading home. And on the way home, they stop because some penguins are doing their traditional ice sliding. So they're just sliding around on ice because they're penguins and sliding on ice is fun. And then he gets home. That that, that scene was entirely pointless. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. So then we get Scrooge who gets home. He gets a candle and lights it yep. at the doorway because he likes the dark. The dark is cheap. He doesn't need to light lights and lamps. But um, before he goes in the house, actually, the doorknob... The door ringer, the door knocker, mm-hmm. 
changes to look like one of the Marley Brothers faces. Jacob Marley, which Marley Brothers, because I don't believe the original story has brothers. It's just Jacob Marley. Uh, Bob Marley. No, Bob Marley is a performer. It's Jacob Marley. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think Robert Marley exists at all. Yeah, because it's Bob Cratchit and Mm -hmm. Jacob Marley. You're right. And I believe it's, I can never remember which one's Waldorf and which one's Statler, but I believe it's, I want to say Jacob Marley is Waldorf, not that it super matters. Don't look at me. (laughs) Uh, They come in pairs, man. I don't remember which one's which. I I know the green Muppet, the pig Muppet, and now I know the blue Muppet, the orange hair Muppet, and the rat Muppet. And, I would and the bird Muppet. And also I know Animal. Yeah, I was about to say, I think you also know Animal. I know Animal. Yeah, I was about to be, I'm pretty sure you know Animal. But that's because Animal played drums for Foo Fighters once. True. So. I also assume you know Fozzie. Not except from this movie. You've never seen any Fozzie Bear stand up. Uh, not except, like, on it. no, not that I can think of. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. yeah my- Wild. I don't know how you've avoided that. Muppets is a cultural touchstone that I have strongly avoided. Fair. And I don't know how. Yeah, fair, I guess. I think it's because, again, maybe Muppets, like, literally poisoned me against it. Waka, waka, waka? I recognize it. I don't know who it is. That's Fozzie Bear's, like, call and respond after a joke. Oh, it's Tells a joke and then waka, waka, waka. Oh, that's why Nick used to say waka, waka, waka. It's because he looks like Fozzie Bear. Oh, I'm having so many realizations right now. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Jesus. You're welcome. Ah, oh, my brain hurts. But so Scrooge goes into his house and Rizzo wonders out how the fuck they're going to see anything and also questions how Gonzo knows what Scrooge is thinking because he explains that Scrooge only has the one candle and that to do a thorough investigation of his house because he has been slightly thrown off by the door knocker changing into a dead friend, well, partner. He turns on all the lamps. No, he has to light the lamps manually with the candle. Yeah. But that brings me to something I noticed. I don't know if you noticed it, but it's an error in the film. Yep. Because he lights the first lamp. Yep. Blows out the candle. And then the candle's lit again yet later. And then literally like a second later, he lifts the candle back up and it's lit again. Yeah. Love is magic. No, I'm not going to accept that. <laughs> I'm not going to accept magic in this movie. Yeah, but- magic doesn't exist in a movie with ghosts that could time travel and see the future. But so Rizzo questions how Gonzo can figure out what's going on. And he's just like, well, I'm the storyteller. I'm omnipotent. Omniscient. I'm omniscient. I just know. He's not omnipotent. Yeah. I mean. I mean, he would have been when he was creating it. But in the retelling, he's not omnipotent because the story's already been told. Unless he he changes the story on the fly. He is still omniscient. Or arguably he is omnipotent because a lot of Muppet things ad lib. Maybe, but he specifically calls out being omniscient. Yeah, yeah. I realize I said the wrong one. So they then want to see into Scrooge's room after Scrooge figures out, ah, there's nothing going on here. I'm just going to go to bed. Well, he gets startled by his own dressing gown and then tries to beat it with his cane. Me, t- me too. I've been fire. there, Scrooge. Yeah. But he's like, oh no, that's my best dressing gown. And then he picks it off the floor, dusts it off, and he's like, oh, it's perfectly fine. And he changes into his dressing gown. Yep. And he goes and sits in his lounge. Foyer. His Well, not the foyer. The foyer is where people enter the building at. Yeah. This is I like would like to room. think he just immediately sets it up for like his own personal use to immediately dissuade anyone who enters his house. It's like a living room or a lounge. Yeah, yeah. And he sits in front of the fire, and the fire is going, is dwindling, going out, and he's like, well, time to go to bed. And then the fire goes completely out, and up pop the ghosts of Robert and Jacob Marley, played the, the, by Statler and Waldorf. The brothers Marley, too. Yep. And then we get the song Marley and Marley. 
which is apparently people's favorite songs from this movie. Like, I enjoyed, like I said, I enjoyed the song a lot. I'm not a huge fan of the lyricism, but like the entire compositional structure of the song I do enjoy. I think it just has a nice flow to it. I don't like the idea that they're calling themselves avarice and greed as if those are two different things when they are the same thing. Yeah, synonyms. They're, they're, they're literally synonyms. Yeah, look, there are things to critique about the Statler and Waldorf song, which is great because that's what they do. That is their entire gimmick, critiquing and heckling. Yeah, so... They essentially tell Scrooge that if he continues living the way he's living, he's going to end up bound in chains like they are. Chains of sin and guilt, basically. His chains of sin have already been forged. It's just a question of if they'll be used or not. Yep. And then... They tell him he'll be visited by three ghosts. And And he's like, friends, provide me comfort, please. I do not want to dwell on these horrible things. Then they tell him the first ghost will arrive at the stroke of one. Yep. Bye. Have a good time. I like that when he petitions them for like any form of comfort, they just laugh at him. Yeah. It's good. So, so then he wearily heads up to bed and we go back to Gonzo and Rizzo outside and they need to get to the other side of the house so they can climb a tree to look in his window. And by this point, it's quite clear most comedy elements from this are just going to come from the Gonzo and Rizzo narration team. Yeah. So Gonzo's down on the ground on the the inside of Ebenezer's property, and Rizzo is standing on top of a very high wrought iron fence, afraid to jump because his two biggest fears in life are heights. He's on the he's on the stone arch over the wrought iron fence, and his two biggest Rizzo's two biggest fears in life are heights and jumping from heights. But Gonzo Charles Dickens assures Mm. Rizzo that that he'll catch him, so Rizzo jumps off. And then slapstick comedy, Gonzo Misses doesn't him. catch him. And then Rizzo realizes he forgot his jelly beans on the other side of the fence, so crawls through the bars to go get them, and then crawls back through. And Gonzo's just like, you fit through the bars? You're an idiot. And Rizzo's just completely confused as to why he was called an idiot. I like that they lampshade it, but they don't strictly call it out. Yeah, like, the fact that they're actually like, you could fit through there. Why didn't you go through it there first? But they're just like, you're an idiot. And then continue on. Yes. Yeah. That is one of the good things about Muppets, in my opinion, in general. When they do their dry witticism, they don't do the thing that I think a lot of media tends to do more and more nowadays, which is actively call it out. They just let it exist. So they end up getting up to the window of Scrooge's room, and the clock chimes one, and Scrooge wakes up and looks around, and there's no ghost, and he kind of relaxes, and then there's a glowing white light from outside. Yep. And honestly, it looks like an alien abduction scene. It does. It gets way too bright and white. Like, and it's not helped by the fact that he has his bed curtains drawn, so yeah. it's just casting this very bright light diffusing across him. Yep. Mm. And then we get the ghost of Christmas past, which is a little girl who's like kind of like in a cloud. Yeah. Like a cloud of like white, thin, satin blankets or something. I was going like, to say like floating chiffon. Yeah. I do want to say one thing real quick, though. Personally, my favorite shot happens just before this, mm-hmm. and it's when he's on his bed, the pull up as we slowly turn the camera as we're pulling up from him laying in bed. Yeah. I just really like the set dressing for it, the way the drapery and everything works in it, and just the pull, straight pull up for the shot. I know it's nothing like revolutionary or like super hard to do, but it's just really well executed. I like the way it goes. So the ghost of Christmas past tells him that she's seen nearly 1900 Christmases, and that she can, she has memories of them all, and that she's going to take him back to his own Christmases, and they'll see how things became how they are. Yeah, so she uses her ghostly powers to throw his windows open, and he's just like, but I am a, a mortal, I cannot fly, I, I feel for all, and what would you ask of me? She's just like, yo, touch my hand, then you can fly. And so they fly out the window. We're gonna Peter Pan this shit. And Charles Dickens, along with his rat accomplice Rizzo, 
use a grappling hook to latch on and fly along. Yep. And then we get some slapstick as they're flying because they go through the past and then they're above trees and they're just macking into trees. Mm-hmm. So they end up traveling back to Scrooge's childhood, specifically the boarding school that he attended as a child. Yes. And we see a bunch of children running around and we see that Scrooge remembers them and he seems quite happy to be here. Like he seems to have pleasant memories of the school. And then when we go inside, we see that Scrooge is by himself writing on some stuff and then some of his school mates run up and they're just like hey the last coach is leaving and another one goes don't you know scrooge never leaves he's always here for christmas but you missed one of the most slapstick parts of this movie and that is after they land there's a cat on the school grounds yes yes there is and rizzo is a rat yeah they land and rizzo's just like huh at least it can't get any worse because they flew through trees i ended up with luis the chicken on one of their heads i don't remember which the chicken had a name? Yes, it is a reoccurring Muppets character. Okay. And Rizzo's just like, cool, we're landed, I'm done freaking out, it's gonna be great. And then he's like, it can't get any worse. Cat. And then he's being chased around in the background while Gonzo narrates that, hey, this is Ebenezer's school days, blah, 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 blah. And then they run inside the building and yeah. slam a door in the cat's face. We then watch what is essentially a time lapse of Scrooge growing older while going to the school and being here every Christmas. We also are informed by his teacher... To a young Ebenezer Scrooge that he has been apprenticed. Not yet. That's the end of the. Oh, is it? That's at that, that's at the end of the time lapse because it's right when he graduates that he. That I he thought it apprenticed. was just before. I thought we did more. Okay, never mind. No, we t- we time lapse and then his teacher who is Sam the Eagle. Sam the Eagle. Thank you. Tells him that he's apprenticed to a businessman where he'll learn business real good and be good at business and business is the American way. To which Gonzo then pops in. To the past that he doesn't seem to be able to interact with directly most of the time. And he's like, hey, Sam. And then leans up and whispers in his ear. And then Sam retakes his line. He's like, business, the British way. And I, I, my favorite part about this is the whole, it's very system mastery. Yeah, it's almost like system mastery like the Muppets. You know, he's apprenticed to a business person to learn business stuff. So he can be good at business and do business things. And so he can be the good business fellow. Like, it's got a lot of system mastery style humor in it. Yeah. Like I said, the Muppets have good moments, but I don't like their over-the-top moments, and there's too many over-the-top moments in most Muppets. We jump, we then jump from him graduating to his first job, the, the place where he businessed to business business. Underneath the business person, Fozzie Wig. And specifically, we go to his first Christmas there at Fozzie Wig's yep. Fozzie Wig annual Christmas party, where he, this is where he met the Marley Brothers, who were also employed by Fozzie Wig. Yes. Uh, he also meets Belle, who is like his love interest throughout the story, yes. but like only for a little bit. We don't get a lot of the Ebenezer and Belle thing, which is, I think, the biggest falling point in the Muppets Christmas Carol, because there is more to it in the original Christmas mm-hmm. Carol short story. But like I said, there is a song that does exist exist that got removed because apparently it's too sad for kids but during the school time adult scrooge mentions that like being a child and being here during christmas gave him time to study and learn and and it was extra time to work and get ahead and when the first thing we see middle like a younger adult scrooge doing Mm -hmm. at this christmas party is everybody else is doing christmas party he's like trying to present his like the numbers on the Christmas party to Fozzie Wig and be like, look how much of this is costing us. We shouldn't do it. And Fozzie Wig's just like, grab the paper, looks at it and is like, it doesn't matter. It's Christmas. Go talk to people, meet friends, have fun. No. He's like, it doesn't matter. It's Christmas. Then he turns to somebody else. He goes, I enjoy these so much. We should do them twice a year. Yeah. Yeah, he does. So then we get a bit of a music thing. He, well, he meets Belle who... He, yeah, he we the music. The music changes because Animal gets frustrated by just playing the triangle. And when the music picks up, he's walking back through and he meets Belle. Yeah, and Belle is a friend of the Fozzie Wigs. Yep. And he gets introduced to Belle and the ghost goes, I can think of another Christmas that you had that you spent with this young lady. And Scrooge goes, oh no, please don't show me that. Do not 
do not make me witness that. Do not make me go there. And then they go there anyways. And so they're outside in like this tree area, but the trees have no leaves because it's winter. Mm -hmm. And Bill and Scrooge are talking and Bill goes, it's another year without our wedding. And Scrooge goes, we can't afford it right now. I'm working to make us money so we can afford a good wedding and a good house. We can't even afford a house right now. And she's like, well, you're always working. And you said when you got partnered, it'd be better. And you're a partner in your own firm now. And he's like, yes, but the returns have been poor. She's like, you said that last year. He's like, I'm doing this for you, Bill. And she's just like, I don't know if you are. He's, no, like, he's like, I'm doing this for you, Bill. I love you. And she's like, you, you, used, you, to. you used to love me. And then she walks off. Yes. And apparently there's a really sad song here that was too sad that they took it out of a movie because they didn't want to make kids cry, which is just, just poor, just mm -hmm. upsetting. Make the children cry. It makes me want to cry more than the children. So do my feelings not matter, people? Though I have learned apparently there is a version with the song in it on Disney Plus that you can like choose. Mm -hmm. I was unaware of this. We watched it on YouTube Premium. We watched it on Hulu. We watched it on Hulu, which I don't know why they have the option on Hulu, though. They're, it's also owned by Disney. Because we're not paying for Disney Plus, so... Yeah. This is the end of Ghost 1, Ghost of Christmas Past. Yep. And Scrooge collapses on his, to his bed. Crying Ooh. because he just watched the love of his life walk out of his life. Yeah. He goes back to sleep a little bit. And then it's 2 o'clock. And again, the second ghost doesn't seem to arrive quite on time. And Scrooge is looking around. He's like, oh, thank God. This has and all been a terrible dream. The lights pop up in the room next to his. And a face filling the entire doorway leans out and goes, come and know me better, man. I, I I love that line. I don't know. I don't know why. It's a good line. Yeah, it, it's just a good line. I don't know why. Dickens like, Dickens was a writer. He yeah. was he was good at what he did. Come and, he, and know me better, man. Yeah. So Scrooge goes in, and the the giant spirit, which is, it's a giant. It's like mm -hmm. ten, twelve feet tall. Barely fits in the room. It is literally like scrunched up in the room to begin with. It is more than twelve or ten feet tall. It is filling the entire other end of the room, contorted around to make itself fit. And it has like strong middle-aged young santa vibes yes like from a year without santa well yeah but like, like also from yeah. like the, the traditional depiction of like a, yeah. a middle-aged santa like the long red fluffy mm -hmm. beard because for some reason santa's a ginger the long red hair yeah he has like a santa style coat on but it's not red it's like got like the green shimmer on with like mm -hmm. cuffs and stuff and scrooge comes into the room and he goes come and know me better man yeah and he goes wait did i already say that and scrooge is like yeah you did and he proceeds to repeat himself. It's a bit of a gimmick because he lives in the present, so he's not aware of the past or the future. So he, yeah. so even though he's said it already, that is now the past. He no longer mm -hmm. has memory of that. And then we get a few good moments of levity here as just Scrooge and the Ghost of Christmas present talk. And it's just entertaining to like see Scrooge have some like lighthearted dialogue here. I'm also, like, the last, like, full-length Christmas Carol movie I watched was the Jim Carrey 3D animated film. Yeah. Where all of the ghosts were terrifying entities. Yeah. And it's nice that this, like, super tall, like, monstrous ghost spirit, which is how it's presented in the Jim Carrey one, mm -hmm. is not this super, like, imposed, like, this dude- It does not have children of- Famine and pestilence crawling around its feet underneath his robes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't have like the horror aspect. It's just this this dude's cool he, and he he wants to like enjoy his time yeah, because so, his time is short. So he shrinks down and now he's like a good four inches taller than Scrooge, but fits in the room at least. Mm -hmm. uh, and they go to look at the things presently happening. Yeah. Which means slightly in the future because he goes to Christmas morning. And Ghost 2 gets a song here as well. Sorry, yeah. Ghost to Christmas Present. I have them labeled in my notes as Ghost 1, Ghost 2, and Ghost Fair. 3. And I, and when I say I have them labeled as Ghost 1, Ghost 2, and Ghost 3, I mean I have them labeled as G1, G2, and G3. Yeah. But anyways, Ghost of Christmas Present gets a song here where he sings about how 
Christmas is the season of love. And wherever you can find love or happiness, you find Christmas. You could find Christmas at any time of year. Yep. It's a good song to get the point across, but other than that, I'm not a huge fan of the song. The song is like, okay. Yeah. Like, I would never listen to it out of the context of this film. Yeah. And anyway, and then Scrooge says, look, I've seen all these people who are experiencing Christmas. Show me kin or friend. Show me kin, friend, or family. And the ghost whisks him away to his nephew's house Christmas morning. Yep. And his nephew and his nephew's wife, his niece-in-law. Yeah. Are having people over for Christmas. They've just finished eating, and they've all decided to play a game. And the game is essentially twenty questions. Twenty questions, but they're they're yes or no questions. Yes. And the questions are like ends up being like whatever his nephew is thinking of, whatever Fred's thinking of is an animal. It lives in the city. Nobody wants it around. Uh, it isn't a dog or cat or a, and a as rat. The game, and as the game's going, Scrooge is getting involved despite the fact that no one can hear him. He's taking guesses as well, and he seems to be enjoying it. And then as everyone's kind of stomped after they guess a bunch of animals that you could find in the city, Fred's wife, Scrooge's niece-in-law, as you've eloquently put it. What other word is there for it? I, I, you're, fa- you're right. Guesses. Oh, I know. I know. Is it Ebenezer Scrooge? Is it your, un- is it your uncle Ebenezer? And like Fred goes, yes, and they laugh, and everybody like has a, has a good laugh about it. And Scrooge is like uh, goes from like kind of as bright and cheery as we will see him until the end of this film to just dour immediately. Yeah, he's like, oh, can we go somewhere else? I'm, I tire. Please of this. do not show me this anymore. This this is painful. And so then they go to the the Cratchit house, and we get to see Bob Cratchit and his family. Yes, Cratchit has four kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see the, f- the fourth kid in the scene yet. He has two daughters. Belinda and, and Beltina. Mm-hmm. And then a son named Peter. Yes. Peter's cranking the spit that's roasting the duck. Goose. Goose. And their mom is fixing roast. Roast chestnuts. And the girls are like bickering with each other and bickering with their mom. He's like, you said you wouldn't eat any until dad got home. But like, she's, and she's like, I'm, I'm the chef. I'm just making sure they weren't burnt. And then says the wrong child's name. And then the other child's like, that's my name. And they're like, blah, 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 blah. And then we see, so Scrooge and the ghost of president are watching from outside. Mm -hmm. And Scrooge is like, well, where's Bob Cratchit? And then we see Bob Cratchit walking down the snowy street. And he's singing a reprise of that uh, very- One one more sleep before Christmas. Yeah, one more sleep before Christmas. And on his shoulder is his youngest child, Tiny Tim. Yes, Tiny Tim. And they go in the house, everybody greets them, and there's hugging and like, they're celebrating, they set up for dinner. And Bob Cratchit makes a toast to Ebenezer Scrooge, well, the be- founder of this feast. Before that, Scrooge makes the mention, it's a kind of pitiful feast. Yes. And the ghost of Christmas present goes, ah, but they'll enjoy every bit of it. Yes. Most welcome feast still. Yeah, yeah most welcome feast. And then Bob goes to toast Scrooge. His wife doesn't seem very happy about it. She specifically calls him an odious, stingy, and badly dressed. Yes. To which, with the first two, the kids gasp. And with the last one, they gasp the last one, just the most affronted. And the entire time she's doing this, Crash is just like, hey, Emmy, the kids, like, don't don't say this in front of the kids. Like, because, it's like, Christmas. Also, Cratch is toasting Scrooge as the founder of the feast, because even if Scrooge is a piece of shit, it, it is, is because of him that they have this, they can afford this house and afford a feast. Yeah. And, like, Cr- so they all eventually. Cratchit's a doormat, okay? Like, yeah, Cratchit's yeah, he a is. fucky that doormat. That is his characterization like, in no, every because, format ever. You shouldn't be celebrating because you have the bare minimum. You should be burning down the companies you work for. And, well, I shouldn't say that. I have coworkers that might listen to this. I feel like they would agree. No, one of them. That, no. Um, eh. <laughs> Fine, I'll say it. You should burn down the companies you work for. You should. You should demand proper compensation and, like, 
Crouch is not getting properly compensated. And if you're working in a business that only uses written files to record the debt of other people, debt that they've accrued by barely managing to live, you should just destroy all record of it so there's no proof that those people owe those debts. Or at the very least, be smudging them in their favor every time you, you yep. open them up. Oh, what? They paid $20? Uh, that was $22 a change? Yep. Every time. If all of the books are burnt, Scrooge could prove nothing. There'd be no recompense through the English court. And, well, I mean, like, the worst thing would happen would have just mean that, yeah, no, Bob definitely ruined those. Do you remember who all owes you things? Cool. Doesn't matter. Only Bob's going to jail or done. Anyways, Tiny Tim then gets his famous line, God bless us, everyone. Yep. And then he gets a song about how every day is a gift because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Yes. And Scrooge, after watching this family and watching the crippled kid, Tiny Tim... Turns to the ghost of Christmas present and goes, he'll live, right? And the ghost goes, I do not know the future. That is not my realm. And he goes, and Scrooge is like, but he doesn't, des- he doesn't deserve to die, does he? And the ghost goes, I don't know. Hurry up and do it. Decrease the surplus population. Like just throw Scrooge's words back at his face about yep. this poor, he's like, he's poor. He deserves to die. Right, Scrooge? And then he continues on to be like, look, all I know is that possibly there's an empty chair and a crutch with no owner. Oh, yeah. And then Scrooge goes, no, no, not the not the poor boy. And that's when he gets yeah. the, yeah. And then they make their way to a graveyard. And this we've seen his beard grain throughout mm-hmm. this. Slowly because, and slowly. And it's very well done, the progression for it. Because the ghost of Christmas present only exists for 24 hours. He only exists on Christmas Day. For the present, yes. So he's dying in the graveyard. And he dies. And, and As he's dying, Scrooge is begging him to not die because the ghost has taught him lessons and has been warm to him and kind and that he has learned these things and if the ghost would not perish or at the very least spare him the ghost of the future then he would vow to live by the lessons he has learned from the ghost of the present and the ghost of the present is like no can do gotta die have fun with the next one please i'll turn to stardust now (laughs) and so scrooge in the cemetery no one around him and the the ghost of christmas future of the ghost of Christmas yet to come mm-hmm. materializes. I do appreciate that they actually call it the ghost of the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Yeah, because, it's because not the ghost. a lot of times they call it the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah, it's in not. a lot of adaptations, and that is not the way it's written. Mm-hmm. It is written in a much longer, honestly, more ominous title because that's kind of the point of why Dickens wrote it that way. Also, future is so set in stone. Mm-hmm. Yet and to come, yet implies- to come does imply a room for variance. It's a f- of future the christmas the ghost of christmas yet to come there's many and there he's not saying they all have to be linear there's just many christmases yet to come and this is where rizzo and charles dickens go hey uh this is too scary for us we'll see you at the finale yeah peace guys rizzo pops his head out of a church after he just got it under ringing the bell mm-hmm. which signifies the presence of the 13th of the third ghost no the 13th ghost hey there's a movie <laughs> scrooge is visited by 13 ghosts Yep, and they're all of his exes. <laughs> but, so Rizzo, yeah, pops down. He's just like, do we have to? This is really scary. And pops back in, and Gonzo's just like, well, when he's right, we'll see you guys back for the finale. And so, the ghost of Christmas is yet to come is a tall, imposing, faceless, robed de- figure, death-like figure. Mm-hmm. With who, long, grayed hands. And long fingernails, and does not speak. Zero yep. words will pass from this ghost's non-existent lips. And so, he takes him... Through a portal 
to see people talking about an old miserly rich man who just died who was Scrooge. Yeah. Let's be clear. Scrooge doesn't know this. The ghost doesn't tell him this because the ghost doesn't speak. Yeah. And he's just like, I know some of those men because it was just four guys talking about how, well, they wonder what he did with his money. And also- He lived way too long. And I'm not going to that funeral. Nobody's going to that funeral. The only way I'd go to that funeral is if they bought me lunch. Yep. (laughs) And he's just like, who could they possibly be talking about? I know some of those men. And then he's moved to an area where it's just a back uh, alley black market. And some people have like stolen goods from Scrooge's death. Well, from the rich man's deathbed. Scrooge's deathbed. Yeah, some opal buttons. Uh, the curtains from the room and the the blankets still warm from the dead man's body. To which the black market buyer, who is a spider, who I I don't know which Muppet this is. I don't. Is just like hmm, still warm. I don't pay extra for the warmth. To which the woman selling him the blankets is just like you should. It's the only warmth he's ever had. And then they all guffaw, and he's just. Scrooge returns to the ghost of Christmas yet to come. He's just like, he basically says like, yeah, I know they're talking about me, but doesn't clearly do it. He's just like, he's basically like, I need to see something warm and nice. I will never get this vision of darkness out of my, out of my head. Yeah, please show me something warm and kind so that this conversation does not haunt me forever. And so the ghost opens another portal and takes them to the Cratchit house. To which Scrooge is just like, yes, the Cratchit house. So warm and full of laughs and joy. It's just like, but why is it so quiet? And then we see Miss Cratchit weeping, and it's because Tiny Tim is dead. Yeah. Because the poor boy has died. Bob isn't there. Bob comes home. As he's coming home, the family comments that he's coming home later and later every night. To which his son Peter's just like, I believe he's been walking slower these past two evenings. And he comes home and he tells his wife about where Tiny Tim has been buried up on this hill. So he'd watch the ducks on the river like he always loved to do. And like, there's more crying, and they sit down to have Christmas dinner. And Bob is like, look, it sucks, but life is about the meetings and partings we have. And each meeting is special and each parting is special. And we as a family will never forget the specialness of this, uh, our first parting as a family. Yep. Bob Cratchit is an optimist and a doormat. Yeah. Like, he, honestly, he does deliver a good speech here. He is a very optimistic individual, but it makes him too much of a doormat. Bob like, Cratchit is an optimist and a doormat. Like, if he had just the tiniest bit of spine, Bob Cratchit would be a great character. But he has none. He is an invertebrate. So, the Ghost of Christmas Future is yet to come. Then takes a weeping, sad... Scrooge uh, back to the graveyard. And she's like, no, why did you bring me back here? Why and, must we be here? And he points to a tombstone. He's like, he doesn't say it, but he's like, you need to look at this tombstone specifically... To see the tombstone of the miserly man whose death has brought joy to yeah, cause others. He asks He's, about yeah, Scrooge goes, who, who who was the miserly man whose death had brought joy to... Yeah. Whose death had brought so much joy to others. And then the ghost points at a tombstone. And Scrooge starts to walk towards it and he's like, I, I feel I know who this man is. Please the, just tell me if this can be avoided. There's a tiny bit, though, where he's obviously pointing out one tombstone. Yep. And Scrooge starts walking to the left. He's like, this one? This tombstone? And this one? The ghost of Christmas is yet to come. Like, moves his hand a bit and, like, moves it up a tiny bit and just kind of gestures again. Scrooge's face falls a bit and he walks towards it. And then he again turns back and he's just like, tell me this is not determined to be that it yet might change. And then he wipes the snow and ice off the tombstone to reveal his own name and bent over on the ground crying. Grasping the cloak of the ghost. Yeah. Uh, begging him to... Let this future not never come to be. Yep. Yeah. And then he wakes up and it's Christmas Day. And at this point, we all know the story. Scrooge, you boy. Scrooge exults that it that it's not too late. He paces back and forth in his room, talking Talks about, about how, he's how gonna, happy, yeah, how much she's going to change and make the world better. And, and he's as light as a feather, as joyous as a schoolboy. And he throws the window open, sending Rizzo and Gonzo flying up the window. So 
Which right has after, been a common bit throughout the show. Right after Rizzo asks Gonzo if it's safe to be here, and Gonzo's just like, yeah, Scrooge learned his lesson. Why wouldn't it be? And he points out the caroler who came to his place the other day before and was like, you there, boy, what day is it? And he's just like, wait, what, 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 me? And he's like, yes, today, what is it? And he's just like, it's Christmas, Christmas day, day, sir. And he's uh, like, good. It's not too late. The ghosts did it all in one night, but of course they can. They could do it all in one hour. The, yeah, but- tell me, do you know the shop... On the next street over, does it still have the prize turkey. turkey in the window? And he's like, you mean the one that's two times bigger than me, sir? Yeah, yes, they still have. He's like, good. Go oh. and buy it and I will give you a shilling. No, five, five shillings. shillings. And he throws him a bag of money. And I turned to Justice while we were watching this. I was like, you know, knowing who Scrooge has been this entire time, if he first demanded I do a job for him. Right. And second, threw me a bag of money, which obviously has more than five shillings in it. It's the five shillings he's going to give me. And plus the cost it. of the turkey. He's not getting the turkey. I'm just vanishing. I'm yeah. taking that money. And, like, Especially because we saw this street urchin earlier after the caroling thing and just huddled up and like discarded newspapers on the street. Like, nah, I'm disappearing with that money, man. I'm going to go find like an inn or something that's open and get myself some warm food and a fire. Dude, I'll buy a fucking coffin for at a penny a night. I'll sleep in that shit. Fuck you. Yeah. So he does go, and then Scrooge comes downstairs, and we get another song. and this, Which is all about how he's learned his lesson, basically. And how, how he'll be a good rich person. Mm-hmm. And throughout this, we see a montage I, of him. I, I do want to clarify for our listeners. There are no good rich people. Yep. But Scrooge is going to be a good rich person and share mm-hmm. his wealth with the town. Yeah, before the song and starts. keep Christmas in his heart all year long. Yeah. Before the song starts, he approaches the solicitors from before, and he's just like, I'll give you guys a donation. A very large donation to cover for years where I haven't donated. So he whispers in Not Bunsen's ear what the price is. And Bunsen's just blown away. She's like, well, I believe there's some back payments that I owe on that. And then they're just like, oh, we wish we could give you a gift. And then Beaker gives him a red scarf. Beaker gives Scrooge his own scarf. Yes. And then we get the song. And throughout it, we have a montage of Scrooge. Giving baskets and gifts and food out to people. People who he... Some people, some of the people who he has never met in his life. Yes. Except through the visions from the ghosts, which must confuse the fuck out of those people. Yeah. And then he goes and visits his nephew and his... No. Nephew's, before that, oh. I'll get to the one that you mentioned and had an issue with. He stops by his own place oh, yes. and puts <laughs> a basket filled with coal on each desk because, you know, the bookkeepers ask for an extra shovel of coal to keep warm. And to which Josh just made the point... He owns the business. He should be keeping it warm anyways. This isn't... He's not learned anything. He's just giving them coal. This, is, this isn't this is a gift. This is literally him just providing the most basic comforts yeah. to his employees. To which I, my point is, I would assume it's meant for them to be taken home so they can use it. But also, that's no guarantee. But I mean, he's learning. That's what matters. But then he goes to Fred's, gives Fred a bunch of gifts, gives his niece a bunch of gifts. Then he's on his way to the Cratchit house. Followed by a horde of people and Muppets. And he shoes them all away initially mm-hmm. and knocks on the door. And when he opens the door, he goes... Well, he knocks on the door and then when no one responds, he waits a moment and then angrily says, Bob Cratchit. Yeah. And so Cratchit answers the door and Scrooge slips back into his old demeanor, which he's doing this as a joke, but it's a terrible joke. Yeah. He's just like, you weren't at work this morning like we discussed yesterday. Yeah. He straight up tries to gaslight Cratchit. He's yep. like, you weren't at work this morning. And, and Cratchit's like, yeah, because you gave me the day off. And Scrooge goes, I. I gave you the day off? Do you know me? I, Ebenezer Scrooge. Would I do that? And he's just like, well, well, no. And he's just like, um, I don't. And, and, and Scrooge and, is like, well, because of that, I'm about to give you a raise. And well, pe- I'm about to give you. And then Amy, played by Miss Piggy Poppins, is just like, oh, I'm about to give you something. And just starts yelling at him about how she's basically going to put him into the pavement. <laughs> yeah. And then Scrooge finishes by saying, a uh, raise. And she's like, I'll give you a raise of pay. 
pavement. Um, and and um, um, come in. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then Scrooge invites. So, well, Scrooge doesn't just say he's going to give him a raise. He's also like, and I'm also going to be paying your mortgage from here on in. And would you and your family be so kind to join us for a Christmas feast? And gestures for the urchin carrying the turkey this entire fucking time. A turkey more, definitely more than two times bigger than him. Yeah. In And everyone comes in. And not only does Scrooge buy this place, he also warps the dimensions of it. Because that table that they have, that we see way too many people sitting around at the end of this, does not fit in that house. No, and then Scrooge even steals Tiny Tim's line. BC. Tiny Tim says something, and Scrooge goes, yes, God bless us, everyone. Yes, uh, Tiny Tim says, God bless us, and then Scrooge says, yes, God bless us, everyone. We also had a narrator bit from Gonzo again, talking about how everything was resolved, how Tiny Tim didn't die. He never, so, Tiny, yeah, Tim Tiny Tim never, never dies. Which is... To be fair, it's it's how it, it is how Dickens wrote it. Yeah, like you know, Scrooge doesn't be like Scrooge isn't like oh he won't die as a child. Well, he'll he'll live to be an adult and have a full life. No, Dickens wrote Scrooge going he's not going to die, is he? Yeah, and like and so, then it clarifies later that he doesn't die. Ever. So he just uh, lives according immortal. to the writings of Dickens, Tiny Tim lives forever and is an immortal force to wander this mortal plane uh, until uh, it ceases to on exist. On crutches too, forced to forced yeah, to. Yeah, I mean wander. until he gets the modern century where he might get a prosthetic of some sort. Though uh, arguably, you know, just because even if you have an issue walking, it doesn't mean you're going to want to use a prosthetic all the time. Like prosthetics are expensive and they can be uncomfortable. He's an immortal. What's price to him? He has. Yeah, to... but but it's not even just about that though. Like expense doesn't matter. Like, Sometimes you just don't feel like walking oh, or you can't walk. Also, so wheelchairs, crutches, Gonzo- and prosthetics are all like a variable thing that you might feel different about day to day. Also, Gonzo as Dickens is like, and Scrooge became a second father to Tiny Tim. And that's that's the end of the movie. We roll yep. credits. So what are your thoughts on A Muppet Christmas Carol? It's not the worst Christmas movie if we've watched. Fair. This is the fourth Christmas movie we've watched for the podcast. Yes. I think, right? I believe so. We did Jingle All the Way. We did the uh, one with the woman from Seventh Heaven. We, yeah, with Duck Funker Deluxe. Yeah. I don't remember his, his new Twitch name. Neither do I. Uh, Could have sworn there was another one. Me too. In there somewhere. I thought we may have done The Grinch. No, no, we did not. Is that my other favorite Christmas movie? The last one we did was the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Oh, that's right. Because they go to Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Yep. And then we have the... So, this is like on par with the Guardians Christmas special. Yeah. It's not quite as good as Jingle All the Way. That movie's a classic. It's terrible, mm-hmm. but it's it's a classic. Yeah. The Hallmark one is a Hallmark one. Like yeah. I can't say good things about it. I like the performances of certain actors in it and actresses. I would say this film has the best performance out of any of them we've seen. Michael Caine is yeah. a godsend. And like, the really fact is. that he just like too misquote but to provide the intention still because i don't remember the quote off my head i'm not searching it when asked about it he said he was going to treat it like he said his intent was to treat it like performing a stage show with royal shakespearean actors and he, like and he only did it because of his granddaughter he's his, his daughter i believe daughter because he wanted a show for her to watch where he wasn't being a where he wasn't just being violent because he didn't really have any of those roles yet so he wanted a kid-friendly film yeah and his agent was just like yeah here's this film with really well-known actors in it Turns out the actors were Muppets, but he ended up doing it and he treated the role with like the utmost seriousness and it, his performance makes the movie. Yeah. Like, if Michael Caine was not in a Muppets Christmas Carol, it would not be a film that people love. 
Yeah, apparently it's a big tradition yeah, a for lot like people British people and like like I specifically know it's a big tradition in Britain, but it's also a tradition for American families in the same way that a Christmas story is for some yeah. families. Hey, it's a better tradition than a Christmas story. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue that. Christmas story is a lame movie. Or am I thinking of It's a Wonderful Life? Both I'm of- thinking of both. It's a Wonderful Life is the worst Christmas tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, that was written originally as like a holiday card that someone's just like, I want to buy the rights to this, bought the rights to it, tried to get it adapted. No one wanted to fucking air it because I didn't like it. And then no one renewed its public domain. Yeah. And then they were like, yo, we can just air this fucking for you on Christmas, boys. Mm -hmm. So they just bombarded people with it until they were like, I like this. No, no, you don't. But I'm up. It's Christmas is fine. Some of the songs are good. I really, I didn't mention it while we were talking about it. But the ghost of Christmas is yet to come. Yeah. Has such a killer design. Like, it's Mm -hmm. so good. We talked about its design, but it looks so good. Christmas, uh, ghost of Christmas past looks kind of lame. I like the ghost of Christmas present good design but the ghost of christmas yet to come so good like i mean the best amazing pu- one of the best things about the ghost of christmas present in my opinion is one of the things i always love about like puppet work especially like the muppets do it a lot with mm. some of their like not as big characters the eyes the moving eyes in muppets and puppets i always love especially when they're done really well by a great puppeteer which the entire jim henson group are amazing puppeteers like obviously that's what their bread and butter is yeah but it's great and puppet work when it takes my brain a moment to be like so is that a full-sized costume that they're using for this man because they could and then do they have another person and they're just doing puppet work Wait, was the ghost of christmas present a puppet i don't know if it's a man wearing a costume or not because you can't do the mouth movement and the eye movements like that without an additional hand and he's moving both his arms at a point as singing and moving his eyes okay so but also if you look at it from an angled shot at a point like the back bows out a tiny bit enough where you could arguably have two people in there and we don't ever see his feet except from the big contorted things like and puppeteers get like right on top of it fucking each other to like do some performances and stuff he's like if that was a puppet that was super impressive holy shit yeah like the the head is definitely a puppeteer head no matter what okay okay well because that's the only way you're gonna get those mouth and eye movements so what i'm saying is the movie's highly impressive Mm -hmm. it's probably technically a better movie than jingle all the way yeah and also to be fair even in the instances where the muppets were being the muppets and i wasn't a huge fan of their points all Muppet performances that I've seen are still really good performances. And I would argue that the Muppets are also good actors. Like, that his agent didn't lie to him. They are good actors. Yeah. They're also... His agent specifically said they were famous actors. and like Which they were in the 90s. I mean, they're still famous. Like, yeah. So, not wrong. I was guilted into doing this by a co-worker, honestly. Because I, I mentioned that we were doing a Christmas episode. He's like, oh, what are you guys going to review? And I was like, maybe a letter to Satan Claus because... Yeah, letter to Satan Claus. My brother's been telling me how much fun that movie is for like... It's not a good movie, but it's Three fun. years. Like, yeah, like two, three years now. And I haven't seen it. I want to I save it for the podcast. And I thought this year was the perfect year for it because we watched a horror show before this. Then like, this movie is apparently like a cultural touchstone and people love it. And like... Yeah. I've never seen it, and it made more sense. Yeah, fair. I mean, Letters to Satan Claus, like I said, it's a fun movie, strictly because it's taking down the prestige of holiday Hallmark movies. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not going to say it's a great movie or even, like, a particularly good film, like, structurally-wise. Maybe, like, maybe, next year for, maybe next year for the holidays. We do, like, Hallmark-style Christmas shows. And then just do a prestige 20- takedown for the Christmas yeah, special. Yeah, like, that's... Maybe, who knows? That sounds like a plan. Uh, anyways... We want to thank you for listening. We want to wish you a happy holidays, whether you're celebrating Christmas today, 
or Hanukkah, which I believe starts tomorrow. Or it's already started. I don't know when. I know it moves on the calendar somewhat. Or Kwanzaa, Boxing Day, Festivus, Bacchanal, Saturnalia, all the holidays. Whatever you're celebrating, I hope you're having a good one. Even if you're not celebrating, I hope you're having a good time with friends or family. And I hope you have a happy New Year's. We'll see you again. We'll see you again with another flight on January 2nd, right after the New Year's. Yep. And until then, if you enjoy get, your holidays. If you, enjoy your holidays. But if you want to get in contact with us, sorry. Don't. Before the sign-off. And as always, or we didn't do it last year because neither of us were in a position to do it, but if you want to email us at copilotsreview at gmail.com, every year, except last year, we run a holiday giveaway. So if you want to email us and specifically just talk about your favorite holiday movie, like tell me what your favorite holiday movie is in that email. So as long as we get that before January 11th, we will then decide who is going to win that. It's a $50 giveaway. We've done it previously as like an Amazon gift where we, yeah. you send us your buy list and we'll just get you a gift which is more in the holiday season but it's also a mess to do like amazon's gift lists and gift registries are a pain to use and also if you're not comfortable with it and you don't know how to hide it it's hard to hide your address it is possible but if you don't know what you're doing so instead if you just want to send us an email with your favorite holiday movie and either your paypal cash app venmo some form of cash app like that we will select a winner from those emails and it will be randomly done doesn't matter what your opinion is, even if it's shit, you still have just as much chance to win it. And that person will get $50 and we'll announce the winner if you feel comfortable. Actually, we won't announce the winner. We'll just tell you that there was a winner on the 12th. Yeah, yeah that seems good. But again, you email us at copilotsreview at gmail.com, your favorite holiday movie, and a way to pay you $50. That's it. Otherwise, you could reach us in any number of other ways, including our Twitter account, which is at copilotsreview. Or... You can email us at copilotsreview at gmail.com, which you can find a link to that, our Twitter, our Discord, our Patreon, and our YouTube by going to the website copilotsreview.simplecast.com. And again, thanks for flying with us this year, and hopefully we'll see you in the next year.